Meanwhile, on a bench in Central Park, New York, Emma Frost sits with her lover, Ian. I tell him the truth, every last bit, until no more is left to tell. Dear Lord, you're not joking. Ian, wait! Stay away from me, you, you, beauty. No wonder your grades were so perfect. You've been giving yourself an unfair advantage all this time. It's true what the media says about you people. Ordinary humans like me, Christy, that poor kid Max, to you and this Astrid person, we're just playthings, toys. Ian! No! Ian, please wait. You don't understand. I didn't have a choice. I never asked for these abilities. When they came, I, I didn't know who I could trust. You know what? Save it for someone who isn't completely sickened by all of this. Just save it, okay? Goodbye, Emma. But, but Ian, I love you. That was a scene from the 2003 miniseries Emma Frost. But right now, we would like to reenact this scene if the characterization of Emma Frost was actually the character of Emma Frost. Meanwhile, on a bench in Central Park, sits Emma Frost with her lover, Ian. I tell him the truth, every last bit of it, until there's no more left to tell. Dear Lord, you're not joking. Ian. Look, just- Just you wait. Just, just stay away from me, you. Beauty. What? Beauty? Beauty. Yeah, yeah, you're a mutie. What do you think of that, huh? What are you gonna do about it, bitch? Ian, sit uh, down. Uh, yes? Now let me tell you something. When you sloppily pawed on me while I was a co-ed at your school, I was okay with it. When I saw you again and you were pawing on my roommate the same way you pawed on me all those years ago, I was okay with it. But when you showed up to this date wearing tweed, like a cliched professor, I was not okay with it. I'm having a stroke. Ian, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. There, I just wanted you to hear some sarcasm before you died. <sighs> I think I might join the X-Men. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 127 of Comic Book Queer's Legacy, CBQ Legacy. Woo! I'm Evil Woo! Jeff, and I am here with a special episode uh, with my co host, Brett. Hello. Today, uh, comics aren't on sale yet, so we're gonna we're taking it back. We're taking it back to two thousand three. Uh, what were you doing in two thousand three, Brett? Um, in two thousand three, I was entertaining thoughts of moving to Chicago from Washington D.C. <laughs> Washington D.C. The monkeys' brains, popular in Cantonese cuisine. Okay, all right, sorry. Um, 
I was already in Chicago and I had just uh, completed grad school and was working like at an insurance. You went to grad school? Yes, I went to grad school for film. Yeah, that's why I went to Chicago. A master's? I have a master's degree in film. Oh my Which God, I'm actually I no using for what I do. I'm actually using it. Most people get a master's and then it's like, that was useless. <laughs> yeah, you're actually using it. Um, and on this podcast yeah. to some degree. And this is episode 127. And my favorite yes. K-pop band right now is NCT 127. So give them a listen. They're really cute. <gasps> oh my God. Speaking of Korea. Yeah. Do you know what do you know a movie I just watched? Have you seen this movie? Which one? There's a movie I'm about to watch like in the next few days, and I'm wondering if it's gonna be the same one. What? Ooh, I wonder. Um, Train to Busan? Oh no, no, no. Isn't that tra- that has the guy from Parasite, right? This- yes, which I had no idea. I did not everyone loves it, but I actually after Walking Dead, all zombie things I just don't do anymore. So but everyone says it's we amazing. Turned it right? on. It's incredible. We turned it on. I'm like, ooh, I don't know, with COVID, like, I don't know if I want to see an infection-based movie. And my husband was like, nonsense. And so he hit play, and it's essentially Zombie Train, and Kai Wu from Parasite's in it, and it's incredible. And there's a guy who kind of, you know, he's one of our heroes. Like, what makes the zombie movie great is not that it's a zombie movie it's our lovable band of heroes so like don't watch it for the characters watch it i mean don't watch it for the zombies watch it for the characters who directed Uh, it oh i don't know the director's name um but one of the main characters one of the main heroes was so charming and so wonderful and such a great character i looked him up and he is playing he's his american actor name is don lee um and I'm going to have to look up his authentic Korean name, but he's going to be playing Gilgamesh in Eternals. Ooh. I was oh, like, wait, awesome. the, the guy who I love from Train to Busan is one of the leads in Eternals? So, oh, loved wow. it. That's awesome. No, the movie I was thinking of, I'm about to see a movie called The Handmaiden. Have you seen that one? No, I've heard it of it. It came out a few years ago. It's basically like a Korean like period piece version of like bound for like remember that Wachowski brothers. Yes. It's like lesbian double crossing. Like, like it looks, I read the plot of it. And oh, it's, like Diabolique. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, there's like a wife, a husband and a maid and they're all like double crossing each other and they're all fucking each other. So that's just what I've read from like kind of the basic, uh, like, you know, one sentence preview of what the movie is. And I'm like, that, that sounds good to me. I'm in. Sounds good to me. Um, I'm in. I'm down for Bound. Uh, The actor whose name I'm talking about is Ma Dung Siok. Nice. And just, I think for American audiences, he will be going by Don Lee. Um, But he reminds me like of like a Logan type. He was very, he's very Wolverine-y on Train to Busan. Since we're going crazy on Korean stuff, um, I have been watching, the only thing that's getting through my panic-induced insanity is watching your uh, Thai soap operas. Well, the, I ran out of Thai gay soap operas because they all come out on Friday. So I watched them all on Friday and then I'm like, I need more. So now I've been watching just straight Korean soap operas because they're just as insane and over the top. <laughs> and I've watched, I'm watching a, it's the Korean like Ugly Betty. 
Ooh. It's called She Was Pretty. And the main star in it, the guy who's like so hot, where there's two guy stars. One is like a K-pop star. And the other one, he plays the friend that gets uh, the guy the job in Parasite. Okay. Um, yep. And his name is Park Seo Joon. Park Seo Joon. And it's basically she has to choose between either the hot, dumb, goofy guy or the hot, bossy, like uptight guy. And you're just like, oh, just have a threesome. But the thing that's funny that I just want to bring up is it's the ugly Betty where she's ugly, but it's clearly played by a rail thin model. And the way they make Mm -hmm. her ugly is by giving her a perm and giving her freckles. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just like, and she's this gorgeous woman, but with a perm and freckles. And they're like, oh, you're so ugly. <laughs> like guys are like, ooh, what are you doing here? You're so ugly. And I'm like, she literally could just walk down a catwalk. So you have to suspend disbelief because it's a cute movie. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, fun. Yeah, Korean. Koreans do it best. But you know what? We're not yeah. here to talk about Korean stuff. We're here to talk no, about we're... Emma fucking Frost. Yeah, we're here to talk about Bostonian stuff. Bostonian. Oh, no, I realize Emma oh, Frost weird. talks like um, Haley Mills, North uh, Boston character from Parent Trap. Do you ever see the old Parent Trap? Oh, I can't recall what she sounds like. In the old, well, she just was British. <laughs> she was like, sure. she was like, hello, I'm from Boston. And you're like, that's not the accent. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about the Emma Frost solo series from 2003 written by, I believe Kyle Ballers. Yeah. And, um, when did you read uh, it originally? Did you read it right when it came when, out or did you read it? like? It, yeah. Right when it came out, but I did not make it through all 18 issues. I read it probably. Run. I did not see it through. I read it when we started doing, uh, the podcast again and I got back into comics. I read, so I read it around like 2008. So a couple years after, and I remember okay. I was not into it. I wasn't into it. Yeah, I got through the first. So the, the run lasted 18 issues. It was three six-issue arcs. It was the origin story of Emma Frost from her childhood, her teenage years, um, into her kind of going off on her own and eventually becoming the White Queen. To me, so I think I got through the first six issues. Okay. Originally I, in 2003, hot off, hot off the tails of Morrison's run. Yeah, and that's the main um, problem. Yeah. Is your hot off the tails of Morrison's run with the most amazing portrayal of Emma Frost you've ever read. And then you open up this. This. What did you remember? But before you started reading it again, what did you remember? Did you I just remember that you didn't like it? Did you have anything that struck that stuck out to you? I remember really having an aversion to the covers to Greg Horn's thank you cheese, cheesecake covers These like cheesecake that is the porno hustler magazine covers are awful especially awful. because inside she's a weak little nothing and on the outside you just see her like I am a vampy slut well, wow, she's a slutty vamp with her boobs it hanging makes... out. And then we open to page one and she's 14 years old. No. Right. Right. There's no it's connection so between problematic in so many ways. the expectation the cover is setting and the story. And I wonder if Marvel was like, she's such a popular character right now. We have to do a thing about her. And 
you know, this origin makes sense, but we need to sell this book because well, that's I'm going to throw thing. this out. The origin I don't know. does Who not make sense. Who is this book sense. written for? The origin does not oh, make no, sense. Oh, no, not at all. All right, so let's just give, hey, guys, you like Emma Frost? Of course you do. You're listening to this. And most people who listen to this, they're probably younger than us. So they were probably in fucking diapers when this fucking thing came out. So they didn't read it. So I'm going to give you the quickest of plots. Emma Frost is growing up in a rich family. She has two sisters, her gay brother Christian, who we've talked about, and her dad is literally, like, you can't even write, like, he says things, I'm like, who, like, even the most evil like, human what? being on the planet would not be this horrible of a dad. He's so one-sided, horrible, for no reason other than he's just horrible. Can I go to the dance now that I, you said if I got bees, I could go to the dance. Can I go to the dance, daddy? No, because a bee's bad too. You need A's now, toots. Oh, it's stressful. Like, it's, so basically the dad is awful. The sisters are awful. The only person she likes is Christian. She basically falls in love with her teacher. The dad finds out, kicks the teacher out of school, tortures Ruins her, the teacher's career. Ruins the teacher's career tortures her, and then has her brother committed to a mental institution for being gay. And the other thing, at this point, um, we know that the other sister is also a mutant and has powers, and they only slight... She has, psych, was it psychometry? Is that how you say it? Yeah, like like long shot without the Like luck. she can touch yeah. things and see the future. And so they hint, yeah, telemetry. At, they hint at it, but never really dig into it they never reveal it and then and then it cuts to her running away and then there's a whole mob chase six issue arc of her being kidnapped in new york and then then she's like now i'm in college and then there's a whole college where the the teacher is back and she's jealous because her roommate is dating him this is a travesty brett it's I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And then at the college, she meets a character by the name of Astrid Bloom, who is a telepath who's picked up on Emma and teaches Emma how to use her powers finally. And at that moment, like we're so deep in the run. I'm like, we've never gotten to like, hey, I'm concerned. I, I'm interested in my powers now. Yeah. Like, yeah, she just and she's was always never ba- a and thing. she's bad at them. She doesn't know how to use her powers. And she's like. 1819 she apparently started running the the school with the hellions and was already in the hellfire club by the time she was like 21 so (laughs) by 18 she's like i don't get it what's the powers i have she's a weak little noodle of a person but every once in a while she's just like uh what are you wearing and i'm like where did that come from where did that come from like it's so, the I flames flames on the side of my face <laughs> on the side of my face burning breathless breathless <laughs> heaving breath. Here's my other thing heaving is like breaths. I blame uh, Joe Casada because they went in being like, all right, we got to do Emma Frost. All right, so uh, you're gonna just show how she joined the Hellfire Club and became the White Queen? No, we're just gonna show her in college and she's hung up on a boy. Who approved this? 
like what was the point of it is to really establish her as heroic as sympathetic maybe that's because she was a hero they didn't want her to be bad but she was like i want to see how she joined the hellfire club rather than seeing this other astrid person show up why how come it couldn't have been where sebastian shaw should have shown up at some point so astrid is the this is this is the thing that drives me the most nuts about this series is essentially the subtitle should be how Emma Frost got her fake British accent because I think after she met Astrid Bloom the British telepath she started using her same affectations <laughs> like she was just copying her because she thought she sounded cool like what because like she was emulating Astrid or maybe she like maybe she sucked a piece of her mind in her who the hell knows. I don't but really, know. like, this I, whole thing was leading up to, like, why does Emma talk with a faux British accent like Madonna used to? Well, because it was what Madonna used to do, and Morrison thought that would be funny. We don't need uh, we don't need an 18-issue run <laughs> to answer this question. But we know that Emma joined the Hellfire Club and kind of started as, like, a dancer. And then... She did the dance of the Seven Fails to seduce them. It was her job application. And then to the top, right? Yeah, and telepathy to her way to the top. Telepathy to her way to the top. And that's my thing is like, where's that story? That's only been told in like flashbacks and montages. That's Mm -hmm. the interesting story. I would love to see how an innocent girl turned into that. And I honestly feel the first six issues, I don't mind her being in high school and being like that. And then she runs away to New York and and then goes into the Hellfire Club and then has to become that evil bitch. And then the last six issues, rather her being in college, maybe she is in college, but then it's her coming back and getting revenge on her whole fucking family. Like, that's what it should have been about, don't you think? Right. It moves so slow to go nowhere. And it could have... It could have just ramped up and been like this really exciting story of how this person who started heroic and struggled with her powers wound up in this fucked up position. Exactly. But instead it goes nowhere near that. And And it's just this insipid, like back and forth, the middle arc of like the back and forth with the boyfriend and gambling at casinos to get the money that he owes to the mob. If you pulled it out because she ran, she stole her dad's money and ran away to never see him again. And then suddenly she's like, I'm in college. My dad's paying for it. And I'm like, what? You were in hiding. Is it a different writer? You were in hiding. It felt like the writers just weren't. I don't know. Was I think was it the same writer the whole way through? Yeah, I think so. Ugh. Well, shame on him. Because I... Yeah, I just was very upset. I just remember not liking it. And then I just really didn't like it. Like, I got... I really didn't like it rereading it. It just, like, re-emphasized everything. Also, this took place in 2003. And it kept saying 10 years ago... But everyone's on 2003 cell phones. It's like, did you just oh, enough. did you just know that no one would read this until 2013, and then that would make sense? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 what a like! I, 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 it's so bad. I want to do a documentary about how it was made. I know, but that's the thing. It's like it's not even like at least Showgirls is like good bad. This isn't right. even good. Bad. It's literally like, as this person, boring garbage. This, I almost feel like this person was like, "Hey, read um, Astonishing X Men, and then write this Emma Frost book." And they never read New Mutants and and like what Dark character Phoenix. is this? Yeah, 
It's like, this is the person two years away from becoming the white queen and trying to murder Kitty Pride. There's no evil streak. There's no well, it, trademark wit. No. There's no sex addiction. There's <laughs> there's no like alcohol addiction. Guy in sunglasses. There's no like there's no alcohol yeah. and drug addiction. Like where what, who is this? I mean, it should have been Christian. Should have been been like, here, honey, you need a martini. I'm 14. Shut up, bitch. Let's drink. Exactly. Well, while they had three dicks in them. Yeah, and then she's like, and now I'm because that's what what ha- what did happen with Christian? Did she just leave him in the mental institution? Yeah. <laughs> But he hung himself. Was that before or after he was committed? It was before? And he was committed because he hung himself? He tried to did, kill himself? Did any of these characters exist before this run? Morrison invented the family, the Frosts. I'm pretty sure. And then he did I'm Morrison sure that have the Christian, Christian, Adrian, and Cordelia were did, uh, created by him. Did, Chris, did Grant Morrison, when was that? Was it in the uncanny? The 2000, run? 2001. Yes, were, did they actually, yeah. were they actually in the run? Yes. Uh, the, the, um, it was the issue where the Phoenix got inta- like attacked after Gene caught Emma and Scott having the affair on the astral plane. Oh, right. The whole issue of Gene like literally dragging Emma and going through Oh, it's going through her mind. And- yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh Anyway, yeah. I just, then, I'm just so and like, To not reveal, like, it's just so, like, I, I get maybe they were like, okay, your, your shit's canceled. He's like, oh, but I never revealed that Adrian has telemetry. And it's like, well, at least they can get that in there somehow. Yeah, because like, it kept being shit like, up. how did you know all of this? And she's like, I have my ways. I'm like, fucking say it. Because <laughs> that's the other thing cool. is also she, that sister she fucking kills her. Like she, this yeah, is the sister, shoots this her. This is the sister she ends up shooting because she's this like is the sister who killed Sink. Yeah, because this is the person where it's like, oh, she's gonna murder all my students. I'm going to fucking kill her. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I want more. I need to see like yes. you need to end up reading this being like, yes, she does. She is going to need to kill her. You know what I mean? <sighs> And then didn't Cordelia Frost wound, wind up with Mondo? Did she? I distinctly remember. Does she have powers? After, I don't I don't think so. I think she but she was hanging out with Mondo in like early generation X. I don't know. How much younger was she? I mean she was still like young. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. So wait, I guess Cordelia Frost wasn't invented by Morrison if she was in Mars in Gen X. Right. Son of a bitch. Because Gen X came, yeah, and so the other sister was, and yeah. Yeah. They, no. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I do think that Morris. I'm sorry. So yes, Morrison did not invent Adrian and Cordelia. She did invent Christian. Or he did invent Christian, right. I believe. Um, here's a food for thought. Wait, what's the sister's, the other, the other sister's name who, who she murdered? Adrian. Do you think they brought Adrian back? Ooh. I wonder. 
These are things um, that I would love to hear being like, Christian, let's bring your sister back. Let's not. And just say we did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cordelia so- first made an appearance when she discovered Mondo. What does that mean? When she discovered she made an appearance, a mutant who saved her life on Samoa. Uh, the two became friends, but Cordelia later turned Mondo over to the Hellfire Club's inner circle. Okay. Does it say she has powers or anything? Um, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna wait. Yes, it does say. Um, she does not have any powers. Interesting. What are Christian Christian Frost? Oh wait, yes she does. Yes she does. Yes she does. What? Um, mind control. Cordelia is able to create personalities that possess her victim's mind. Wait, she's able to in what? this way possess minds. Yeah. What? She mind control, empathy. See, here's possesses the, the power to read emotions and project emotions. I, I bet you that's in Generation X. I tried to get through generation x and it got real hard after a while it got real bad it gets yeah it gets real bad it's real bad and i was I, I didn't even make it like once it uh hit age of apocalypse for a bit i forget what it was called during age of apocalypse i just couldn't continue on the whole yeah. penance or whatever the oh, all of that i just wasn't into it was it scott lobdell the entire time I wonder. I don't know, but Scott Lobdell, there's not a single thing he wrote that I liked. He took over, oh, like when he t- really when he took over Excalibur, he ruined it. Why? What did you? Like? Yeah, but he wrote Happy Death Day. <laughs> what? Are you serious? That's Scott Lobdell. Yes. What? Yes. How? How is the person who wrote my most hated comics wrote wrote one of the funniest horror movies I've seen? Oh my god, like right when the credits begin at the end, it says written by Scott Lobdell. Oh, I must have totally blacked that out because I, I hate him so much. Because <laughs> it was he was the one who was like, after Jim Lee left and Chris Claremont left, let's just have Scott Lobdell write Oof. everything and have He did like the hunt for uh, Xavier, and have Andy, right? was it Andy Kubrick draw everything? Oh, and it was like my most hated. And it was just like, oh, it just went from the best writing and best art to the worst writing and worst art in like one issue that was like remember in Excalibur there was like a 20 issue run of where Chris Claremont stopped writing it and Alan Davis stopped drawing it and it was like what is they coming when are they coming back yeah it was also it was all that like time. What was it? The cross time caper advent uh, side adventure. It's like oh my god. Back to Gen X. I feel like it got like for me. I think it jumped the shark at issue twenty five. Like what I, I think I remember 25? the first. That was when it was revealed. I believe that Mondo was like a Black Tom Cassidy plant, and like Black Tom oh, attacked. Right. Yeah. That's the thing is like during the Adrian stuff, it was horrible. But then it was like Monet was also. Was it Penance was part of Monet or she was Monet? Wait, she was. It was revealed that it was the twins. twins. It was her her 
her twin sisters that merged to form Monet after Empath turned the real Monet into Penance. And then after they split and Penance turned back into Monet, there was still a Penance running around who they called Hollow. Right. Because that no one, so, like, that was so convoluted that, and didn't make any sense. So and then horrible. you had two characters that were like, they weren't what you thought. And it was like, it was too, I hated it. And also Jubilee, I hate Jubilee. I just never liked her. I never liked her. Oh, no, that's not true. I liked her when her, Wolverine, and Psylocke were wandering around Madripoor. Remember that? No. What? Wait, say it again? When Wolverine... Okay, when Psylocke became Asian... She was discovered oh, by oh, Wolverine yeah, and Jubilee. Of course. And the of whole course, time, of course, of course. Jubilee's like, why are we trusting? Wasn't she a bad guy? And Wolverine's like, she's good now. And she's like, I'll never she's, fun. she's like, I'll never trust her ever. Like that was like fun. Psylocke's like, fine child. Yeah, she's like, fine whatever, child. bitch. Like that's fun. I wish in the Excalibur run that they kind of like would bring that up. Remember when you were Asian and I hated you? <laughs> But that's Betsy saying that to Jubilee. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, baby. I feel like we should end it there. <laughs> so, guys, such a good one. we read Emma Frost, the miniseries, so you didn't have to. That's right. Please don't ever. And so the other atrocity that the Emma Frost solo series created for me what? was... So I had bought the collected works. Um, I bought the like the trade paperback that was the whole run, issues one through eighteen. And in the inside front cover, it was advertising like other issues or stories or runs or titles that had Emma Frost in it. Okay. And one of them was a book from 2010 called Heralds. Heralds? I want to say Heralds. H A R, like like the H E heralds, like like a no, like no no no, like a herald of Galactus. I'm kidding, yes. <laughs> okay, heralds. Have you heard of this? No. I am looking up the year. I'm gonna double it check. Says yeah, 2010. 2010. So look at the cover. What's that? Valkyrie, Emma Frost, <laughs> Spectrum. Oh, wait, is this the one where she's like, they're all shopping and then they have to like battle somebody? They're at Emma's surprise birthday Yes, party okay, I have Scott read this. arranges for I her. I have read this. Oh, I liked this one. I did not. You did? I could not follow it. It's ultimately about the return of Frankie Ray, Nova, the Herald of Galactus. Oh, okay. But aside from the beginning of- um, I think I just like the shopping Cyclops- part. Where they were just like, oh, yeah, it's the time party. for my party. So it opens with Scott and Emma like in a hotel room looking at the Eiffel Tower out the window. And she's in like a pissy mood and he's being playful. And um, they're having some pillow talk. And then she, she's looking at the Eiffel Tower and she's like, I, I, I never thought you really had a sense of humor in this. This is just, this like proves it or something like that. And then they, they pan out and you realize that they're not in Paris. They're, in they're at Paris in Vegas. Yeah. 
I think that's so funny. I love that Scott was like, we're going to Paris, yeah. and then took her to fucking Vegas. But I yeah, I will say this beginning part, where oh, it's also Agent Brand and Patsy Walker. They need to have a Jessica Jones in there, I'm surprised. But, like, how do these people know each other? Um, yeah, that, who knows? They're like, they show up for Emma's birthday party wearing mustaches as, like, a gag. Like, they're friends, and this is some bit they do together. It's Brand, She-Hulk... Hellcat, uh, Monica, and uh, Valkyrie. Like, why? What? <laughs> well, Brand why? has knows Emma. I'm sure that they've. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of, and it is also ridiculous. Like, not even like Kitty or Storm. Like, not a single other X Men shows up to her birthday. <laughs> I mean, it's ludicrous. I love that Emma's getting play like this, but. Jesus, this and the story made no sense. And it was like things happened on panels, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And I had to go back and like, "Wait, <laughs> so you didn't establish? You didn't establish that? You just right. like said it? It was so. It was just Catherine Emmerman was the writer, and it was just not uh, writing that uh, spoke to me. Oh, but what a weird book. Oh, Emma again. We we should be rewriting. That's what this this podcast should be. You and I we rewrite all the bad Emma Frost stories know, out there, right? and we make them good. What would you like? What would is there anything interesting in her? Like if you were doing the Emma, I'm like I'm not asking for a full plot detail, but if you were writing her origin story, is there anything that you would have done? Like that you were like this needs to be in there, like especially with the Hellfire Club stuff. I, I, I don't know. I think there would be like some kind of, no, um, I was going to say like a Cyclops nod, like a, like a guy who kind of reminded us of Scott, yeah. but I don't, why should it be about guys? Like that's so stupid. Yeah. I would want, I, I would want a little bit of like kink in her origin story. There was no kink in this and where, where'd you, there's even like a cover where she's like, kind of looking over her shoulder at a white like lingerie yeah, ensemble in a yeah. window and it's like but that character on the cover who's doing that is not the character in this book yeah like she goes into the hellfire club because that boyfriend from new york was like hey let's go here and that's where she has to get a job like doing dishes or something right and then she works her way know. up yeah. from sub to dom you know, I would want like I would want a character that ha- has a little kink in her, but more importantly, like has this wit and this caring and like all these good qualities we love about her. And she's like she and just ends up have those kind yeah. of show try to come out, but like be repressed by others and like. But you see that it's like it's who she is, and then she turns with the volume as like a defense mechanism, like just exploring these weird aspects of her that she's like. The coldest one, but also the funniest the one, thing, and also the most compassionate one. The times when Emma Frost turns murderous and turns evil, it is always in the defense and defending and protecting people. Yes. Well, except for Scott, that was more love rage, but we were also pretending that that didn't happen. When she I don't know what you're all, talking about. When she murdered the Inhumans. Anyway, um... But most of the other time, like even with when she killed her sister, was to protect her students. You know, 
Like a lot of times when she she went batshit crazy, took over Iceman's body, it's because she was still mourning that all the Hellions were killed. Um, Leia Williams describes Emma Frost as having a brutal heart. Exactly. I love that. And that's what I would want to see. Yeah. I love a brutal heart. I mean, in reality, it's probably not the best to date. But narratively, it's the best. <laughs> and that's why Emma Frost is the best. Because that's the thing is, in, there's something about, have you ever had your honor defended? Like, have you ever had like no. someone you were dating, like beat no. someone up or basically tell someone to fuck off? No, I'm that guy. Have you done that? For, have you done that? I do it for people every goddamn day. But, I mean, a literal physical altercation to protect somebody that you were... Not not someone I was romantic with. Oh, okay. I never had the opportunity. Friends, though. All right. I've done, I've done that for some friends, too. But, never, but the idea of, like, if you're, like, on a date, and we're both not single, so we just have to, like, you're on a first date, and... And, you know, and then you're walking down the street and suddenly like a mugger comes and the guy you're on the date with fucking punches the mugger in the face and kicks him. And then you're like, keep on walking. Like, tell me that wouldn't make you wet. Oh, totally, totally, totally. But in reality, I think if that did happen, I'd be like, oh, he could probably beat the shit out of me. Yeah, I just I've seen, seen too many gay movies where that ends in like the 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 hero dying, <laughs> and then the the boyfriend he saved having to live with grief. Uh, That's how I see that unfolding. I am a hundred percent over gays dying in anything anymore. Yeah, like, we need stop to put a, burying the. Yeah, gays. I feel like we just need to put a moratorium of like just a couple years before gay characters can die because it's like too just so that the straight characters can catch up a little more. Because the gay characters are dying too much. That's why I can't watch Chinese gay soap operas. Because the only way they make them happen is if they die at the end. So they always end tragically. Ugh. It's a trope I will not tolerate. I mean, the lesbians can die. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want lesbians dying either. I don't want anyone dying. (laughs) Nobody should die except straights. I want every straight person to fucking die. No, I'm just Ugh. No. Can you imagine I if want, there was a House no, of no. M moment, but with gay people? Where it was like, like we just got our, where it was just like, no more. <laughs> straights. No more straights. No more heteros. No, where it just turned out where instead the amount of gay people were, there were, that was the amount of straight people. Ooh, we flip the ratio. Yeah, you flip the ratio. So it's yes. just a natural thing that you get together with a woman and then you or, or like you get together with your same sex and you adopt children. Children are, you know what I mean? But then there's those Yeah, but we put those straight people in like factories. Yeah, where there's they have these to make rogue straight people for that us. are like made a baby in a gross natural they have way. To make our ba- make our babies, you breeders. <laughs> breeders. Ah. Uh. I want to yell that at straight people again. I think we should bring breeders back. Yeah. Know what else? I just found, uh, I was recently re-watching some old YouTube videos I made, and I forgot there was another insult that I was like, oh, that's really, um, that's a really harsh one, that if I believe I said that to someone, that they would probably get angry. What? If you're really mad at someone, 
Um, instead of calling him a slut or a whore, call him a cum. Mm-hmm. Call him a cum catcher. A cum. <laughs> Shut up, you fucking cum catcher. That stings. <gasps> Doesn't that sting? Oh, I I knew you weren't talking to me, and it's still stung. <laughs> I'm putting that in my back pocket for when someone really pisses me off. For when I really need to read someone for filth. Yeah. Listen. Listen, come catch her. <laughs> anyway. Well That's what Emma should have said to Ian. Listen, you come catch her. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Emma Frost. All right. Well that was it. I think that was it. don't aren't things coming out next week? No. <laughs> they still aren't? Have no. They, what, do you have any updates on when comics are happening? No. So here's the problem. There's one distributor who gets the books from the printer to the retail stores. Yeah. And they're not operating. Like, they, they have shut down indefinitely. So there is currently no mechanism to get comic books to comic book stores. Yes, but... That, but, the, but they were stopping releasing digital copies for the purpose of saving comic book stores. But I don't, but isn't there going to be a certain point where they're going to be like, hey, we're going to have to release these. What are they just going to not release any comics for a year? They're going to have to release them digitally at some point, right? This, this is what the big publishers need to do. So TKO Comics, which is a comics, a, like small pu- comics publisher. They are saying you can order books digitally from our site. And what we're going to do is when you buy, we're going to ask you what comic book store you typically buy from. And then we're going to send 50% of the sale to that comic book store. That like, and that's what stores get. They get 50% of the, of the cover price. Yeah. So why can't all the publishers just come together and say, look, we're going to provide digital copies, but we're going to send 50% of every digital copy we sell to the comic book store of your choosing. Like, why would you not do that? It's because of fucking greed. Yeah. But that's what people, that's what publishers should be doing. I should be able to go to marvel.com, order digital copies and read my books and say, I want my money to go to Midtown Comics in Times Square. But I mean, this basically comes down to, I mean, but that's the weird thing. Isn't, how come, it seems like, like even the, there isn't a small distributor that's being like, I'm going to do that? Nope. Okay. It is literally just Diamond. So now I'm like, how do I get into the comic book distribution business? <laughs> well, damn it. Well, right, I'm well, so angry. I need to go scream into a pillow. Well, we we'll leave it as a surprise for next week because we don't know what we're going to read yet. But we'll probably be digging back into another run and uh, and watching some things. Uh, we'll watch something. <laughs> yes, we shall watch something. Um, because you're bored and you need to listen to us, right? You have nothing to do. And and what better things to do than listen to these two homosexuals talk about their love of Emma Frost, right? Listen, you're bored. We're phoning it in. What are we going to do about it? We're all hanging by a thread here. These podcasts are all we have left. 
Um, and seriously, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you'd like to leave us a review, you can do that. Um, please leave us a, a nice one on whichever platform you listen to the show through. Um, and remember, everybody, like, look, listen. If you read comics, well, that makes you a queer. Queer. Bye. Bye. Bye.